women in my in my family have have done a lot. Um, and it's funny because whenever people ask me, "Can women do it all?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have seen women do it all. That's not even a question. It's a fact. Women have been doing not doing it、mm. all, but can women have it all? That's a different question, right? Like, I've seen women in my life." Doing it all, but not having it all. Welcome. I'm Sam from Okapika. Pronoun she, her, and hers. And I'm Tiffany from Southland. Pronoun she, hers, and her. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh from KCS. Pronouns he, him, his. Welcome back to another episode of the OC Hughes podcast. Thank you for joining us, as always. Um, this episode, we have another special guest. This individual has been the student body president at Norco College, then went to Berkeley and graduated with her master's at the Harvard Extension. Then served as a district representative in the California State Senate, then an immigration specialist at the United States House of Representatives. This individual is the youngest woman of color to serve as a mayor in the state of California. And still serves as a council member in the city of Eastvale, and currently works as the legislative advocacy director at Ignite National. Please give a warm welcome to Jocelyn Yao. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Let's get right into it. Yeah. All right. What? Welcome, Jocelyn. So we like to start each one of our episodes by diving into the meaning and background of our guest's last name. So, where does your last name Yao originate from? <laughs> no one has ever asked me that, actually.、Um, so, it's a Chinese last name in in Mandarin. It's pronounced as Yu. And so,、mm-hmm. my、um, my great grandparents, no, more like my great great grandparents,、um, from my dad's side, they were from China, and then this little. Area called Fujian, so they it's it's located in South China, and they moved from South China to Malaysia.、Um, it was just my great grandpa by himself.、Um, he just took the chance and left South China,、um, went to Malaysia, and from there on started a family. And so、um, that's where the last name came from. And and it's yeah, it's pronounced as you. And so they when he got to Malaysia, he just he was like you 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 okay. <laughs> I'll just so that's why you see like different spellings. There's Y O U Y O W. There's even、uh, Y A W. So basically, it's it's you know they were just trying to mimic what sounded like the original last name.、Um, that was how it came that came about. That's awesome.、Uh, so you touched on family a little bit. And we know that your family has been serving the community for as long as you can remember. What are some of the values that you've instilled in yourself? Yeah, I um. So my dad, actually, even my great grandparents, you know, they even my great great grandpa who first came from South China, um, they they were part of um kind of like a neighborhood association, but but um but in Malaysia back then. And so you know they were they were always involved in the community. And then when my dad, so my dad was really the one who instilled those values in me. My dad was a Lions Club member, and growing up, he would always bring me to all these events, volunteering everywhere.、Um, that was 
that was what I did as a kid. Very fun. Um, it, you know, just going to like senior center, all of that. So I, um, it, it was, it was a very interesting experience and that was my introduction to public service. And when I grew up, like when I was in high school, I was like, you know what, I'm done with you that I'm going to do my own thing. Um, little did I know my own thing was being involved in Girl Scouts, which in Malaysia, we call Girl Guides, um, which also essentially is public service. Um, and, and I was volunteering for all kinds of events in the city, everywhere. And, and so that um, really even though I, I was trying to be independent and rebellious, um, public service found its way back to my life. And when I moved back to the United States at the age of 16, I didn't know anyone because I left when I was very little, like when I was uh, uh, around two years old. So I didn't know anyone in the United States. And um, I just start volunteering for everyone. I, I remember I was at college and um, freshman year and I told everyone, I was like, I asked everyone, I was like, do you need volunteers? Like, is there anything I can help with? Um, any organization? I was one of those kids and they were like, yeah, actually. Um, and they, so I remember one of my first events was volunteering at like a, a 5K run or something along that line at a park. Um, and then next thing I know, they were like, well, you should like check out student government. They need help with with events and I was like oh sure which by the way did not know what a student government was but I was just <laughs> events okay volunteering okay check check um and that was how I got introduced to student government and um, yeah and I continue you know my public service I call it adventure really because I didn't even know what I was signing up for and um and now it's 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 just part of my life like I I really enjoy you know being out there even now on council I always tell people I do not enjoy those long meetings um, <laughs> unlike some council members or some legislators who can sit there and talk all day all night I'm not one of those like I actually do not enjoy long meetings but what I enjoy the most is actually being out there like helping community um you know for instance one of my projects is building little libraries and so um the students really the students are the ones building it but I help them install little libraries across the city so now um in the city of Eastville we already have over 20 little libraries installed and um and we're gonna install actually tomorrow we're gonna install another four and then in a few weekends I'm gonna install another two of them so that's that's what I do during my free time I just go around installing little libraries picking up trash um yeah, that's that's what I actually enjoy the most. Um, not the long meetings, which I hope I don't get into trouble by saying that. But um, yeah. <laughs> no, so it sounds like you're active in politics from the local to the state, even the national level. And you even touched on Eastville, which leads me into my next question. Um, I'm from Eastville. My parents still currently you are. live there. Yes, I am. Oh, so it was wow. huge. I remember when you were uh, announced as mayor. And I remember my dad, he's not very involved in politics, but I remember him saying like, wow, she's so young. She's so accomplished. And I, I think we're around the same age. And I was like, ah, it's another person to be compared to. No pressure. No, pressure. <laughs> no, <laughs> no your resume, even your just your introduction. I was like, wow, she's so well-versed. She's like involved in everything and speaking to you and seeing that you're so active in our community. Like it just really speaks to how amazing you are. 
And so you're mayor. So was that always the goal to become mayor of Eastville? How did it come about? Um, no. So in, in the city of Eastville, actually, we don't elect our mayor. We kind of go on a rotational basis. Um, so I ran for city council, but then it's also, it, it also depends on your colleagues, right? Like your colleagues have to vote for you to, to become the mayor. And so I got elected to council in 2018. Um, and I, and I became the mayor in 2020. Um, so getting elected to council probably means you'll you'll serve as the mayor at one point or another. But um, but again, it's not always a guarantee. Um, but it, it it was part of the plan in, in a way because you know you eventually hopefully hopefully with your colleagues' approval you will you will be voted as the mayor by your colleagues. But um, but yeah, and I I, I can share a little bit about why I ran for office, if if that's okay with, with you guys. And yeah, I have a little, a very active little one. No worries. Um, you know, like I said, I, I was never involved in politics. I don't know about you all, but like Asian parents, we don't talk about politics. You know, it's so weird. I remember my first year um, at college and I would go over to my friend's house and um, they, I would go over for dinner or lunch or whatever, you know, like just, uh, just go going over meeting people. And then their parents would be like, so Jocelyn, what do you think about this? I'm like, are you really asking me about like my opinion about like U.S. politics? And it felt so weird talking about politics at the dining table because we never, ever, we have we, we don't, we still like, actually, we still don't do that now. Um, it was, it was very weird. And especially for my parents, um, you know, my mom was a refugee from Vietnam and my dad, and yes, my dad as an immigrant from Malaysia, um, they perceive politicians as corrupted. And, and, yes, buddy. and especially for my mom coming from a communist country, fleeing a communist country, um, you know, politics was just never like, she, she felt she felt betrayed by her home country, right? And then coming into the United States, nobody really took API voting blocks seriously. Um, I would say yeah. until recently that has changed a little bit, but it was not the case. And so we never talk about politics. But when I when I went to college, um, I I didn't have a car back then. And for anyone who knows anything about the Inland Empire it's really hard to get around without a car. It's almost impossible to get around with a, with, without a car. And so I have to take, and I, also I, for context, I went, I started college right after recession. And so there were barely any classes and I, but I, I needed to get out within like two and a half years. Like I, I wanted to transfer because the longer you stay there, the more expensive it gets. Mm. And we all know that. And so I was like, I need to get out like ASAP. Um, so what I ended up having to do was that I had to take the bus to another campus for two and a half hour. Like the bus, it's RTA would take um, two and a half hour each way to get to RCC Riverside City um, College campus. And so I would spend five hours on the bus and at first it didn't really bother me, but then I remember it was April and it was pouring, raining, 
And that was when it really bothered me. I was like waiting in the rain. I was like, oh my goodness, like why, why, why? And I started asking all these questions like why? Why is it that I have to take a two and a half hour each way bus just to take that one class just so that I could graduate on time? Not even early. I wasn't even trying to graduate early. I was just trying to graduate on time. And and I started, you know, two and a half hour. It's a long ride. I started going on my phone, looking up like, you know, all these. Um, I was like, who's making these decisions? Who's serving on local school board? Who's serving on the college board of trustee? And that's when I found out. I was like, oh my goodness, there's these people making these decisions affecting our bus route, affecting public transit, affecting classes budget, affecting um how classes are being distributed, all of that. And so I was like, I remember telling myself, I'm going to come back and run for one of these seats. And that was 20, what year was that? That was 20, that was 2012. Um, that was 2012. And, and so I, um, I got more involved. That was also the time where, when I got more involved in student government, and then that's when I ran for student body president, um, and then transferred to Berkeley. And I remember telling everyone, I'm going to come back and run for my hometown. Like, I'm going to come back and run for a seat in my hometown. And people thought I was crazy, because um, I was like 19 years old back then. And, um, but there was this one person who took me seriously. Her name was Sarah. She's actually the CEO of Ignite, which is where I work right now. Full circle moment. Yep. Um, she was the only one who took me seriously and and she connected me with folks, taught me how to fundraise, all of that stuff. And so um, fast forward 2018, finally ran and and here I am on city council. But yeah, that was really what planted the seed. That was 2012, a really rough bus ride. <laughs> pouring. I remember vividly that day, you know, it was just one of those days that like it, it stays in your head. You know, I, I remember carrying this um pink or purple umbrella I can't even remember pink or purple, but it's a Paris umbrella that my mom got for for, for me uh, it was a gift and and I remember carrying the umbrella and feeling so pissed and I was just like I'm gonna like yeah so anyway that that was how that was how it started um because my family was never into politics um like many like many Asian families like many immigrants um that was just not the case that was yeah we were not into politics in the beginning (laughs) what uh direction that took with the bus yeah everything yeah yeah one bus ride one bus ride changed your life and you know the rest is history and many more things to look forward to um and i think that's really inspirational and with you being an inspirational woman this month is actually um it's Women's History Month. It is. Yeah. Yes. So um we wanted to know who are some of the women that have inspired you or have impacted you directly. Yeah, um definitely my mom. Mm-hmm. Um always like I've I've always looked up to my mom like growing up because my my dad um worked a lot like a lot I I rarely saw him but it was my mom who also was working and in addition to that we know how we know how moms are in addition to having a job which they needed you know we needed two income 
um, in addition to having a job, having to juggle everything else, right? Like picking up the kids, preparing the breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks in between, um, dropping off the kids at like the sports activities. It was just like constant juggling, um, which like I, I I always thought like it was pretty badass. Um, and and now that I'm a mom, it's funny because she like back then, like when I was very little, I didn't understand a whole lot. Um, she would be so tired at night. She would just like knocked out and completely knocked out. And I would like play with my brother right next to her while she was sleeping and she would still like snore away and like I never understood I'm like mom how could you sleep through everything but now that I'm a mom yeah you really could sleep through everything when you're so tired um but yeah like you know just growing up um seeing her working so hard juggling everything um it's it's truly inspirational and I know like my grandma we we definitely have a generation gap um obviously we have very different ways of living but even then like she you know she's also definitely a shero of mine um and she's currently 79 years old so we're talking about like many many years ago um she owned her own business back then like when yeah i know in malaysia she had her own business um help support the family raise four kids um and they came from a very small village in malaysia like literally like village like it's not, it was not a city. And, and she was able to put all four of them through to college and three of them to the United States. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely hard work and, and they've done a lot. All the women in my, in my family have, have done a lot. Um, and it's funny because whenever people ask me, can women do it all? I'm like, yeah, I have seen women do it all that's not even a question it's a fact women have been doing all, doing it all but can women have it all that's a different question right like I've seen women in my life doing it all but not having it all um so it's it's something that I always tell people yeah women have been doing it all like stop asking that like it's been like it's a thing we've been doing it all for like a whole century or more um but can women have it all? That's a different question, right? But anyway, so yes, um, definitely the two of them. But also like coming to, you know, when I when I first moved back to the United States and especially you, Tiffany, you know Eastville, right? Mm-hmm. I <laughs> it, it's it's gotten better, but like mm-hmm. even a few years ago, um, when I first moved here in 2011 and especially going to school at Narco College. I rarely saw people like me and especially in leadership position, especially um, even on college campus. I didn't, I don't remember, I don't actually don't, I cannot recall meeting any Asian American woman professor at Oracle College now that I think Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. I really can't remember. I can't, I can't, I cannot recall a single one. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging because when you don't see someone like you in those positions, it's hard to envision um, you being in those positions. But I will say the first visible Asian American woman I saw in, in politics was actually Tammy Duckworth. And that like just blew my mind, Senator Tammy Duckworth from Illinois, because her story is not I mean, she, I I wasn't born in refugee camp, but, you know, her being a Southeast Asian, and that's also the other thing, right? Like, it's, we don't have a whole lot of Southeast Asian, too, Mm -hmm. and 
um, hearing her background and like everything that she has gone through. I was like, oh my goodness, she's such a badass. Um, <laughs> like I, I remember feeling so inspired, like after hearing her story. Um, but yeah, like those are definitely the women that I can think of on top of my head. But um, yeah, it's, it's at first I will say like when I, especially when I first moved back here and, and being in Eastville and specifically at Norco College and in the city of Norco too, you just, and in the IE, generally speaking, you don't see a whole lot of Asian American women in, in leadership, yeah, which is hard. Yeah, I think you touched on something really important, which is that representation, Absolutely. that aspect of you know seeing someone in that power position and seeing that oh it's possible yes we can do it um so i think again that's really inspirational to us and our community um one thing that we know is that you've been an advocate for many many different things and that's especially representation of asian women in legislature and the stop asian hate movement uh what issues do you want to bring up to light to people um oh, so many yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um if i really i mean we all know about the stop asian hate mm. so i'm not gonna mention that again um but two things that really i've been thinking a lot about first did you know that currently in California state legislature, I know for a fact we have no more than one Asian American woman serving in the state legislature right now in the state of California. And it might be zero, actually. I'm, I might, I'm like either zero or one, but I can tell you out of the 80 plus 40, so out of the 120 members, there is no more than one Asian American woman serving in the state of California legislature. No more than one. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that one is still around. That's why I'm like, no more than mm -hmm. one for sure. Mm -hmm. Out of 120 members. And we all know in the state of California, there's there's a decent amount of API population. Mm -hmm. I believe we are the second largest, if not the largest. It's either in New York or us. Um, we're like the top two. And yet there's yeah, no more than one Asian American woman serving in the state legislature. A lot of people do not know this. Um, and so I'm, I'm, which is why I, I, one of my passion, I unfortunately don't have the time for it right now, especially with the little one, but something that I was really involved in was the CYD API caucus. And um, Josh, you probably know yeah. about, about them. Yeah. So I was the vice chair of CYD API caucus. And what we really focused on was electing more, API and specifically more API women to all positions because we believe in building the bench right like you have mm -hmm. oftentimes um, you start from somewhere although not always the case and you don't have to but oftentimes people usually start from local seats and then they run for a state after that right so we um that was some that was one of my focus before I had Caden um and it still is. It's just that I can't dedicate all my time to it. But that was one of my focus. Um, one of my focuses is to elect more API women to all seats across across the state. Um, it is very unfortunate. We there's yeah we don't have more than one. Um, and I'm not even sure if that one is still there. I'm trying to think, but um, I'll I'll probably have to follow up with y'all. And then the second thing is just making sure that 
Asian American history is included in our K through 12 curriculum. I am so annoyed. Like, oh, I can't. Like, I, I didn't. I didn't even learn about Asian American history until I got to Berkeley. And I'm not very proud of this, but I did not, I, it was not my intention to take an Asian American history class. Mm. I, it just so happened that, you know, going back to that, the whole thing about ha- wanting to graduate on time, because <laughs> um, college is expensive, which is a whole different conversation. But anyway, I needed to graduate on time, but I didn't have enough units and I, I just needed to take like certain amount of classes. And so I was looking at, you know, a list of available classes and Asian American studies, you know, had a whole bunch of classes that were available. And so I, I was like, you know what, whatever, I'll just sign up for this one class. Life changing things that we never talk about in, in our U.S. history classes. Like I was like, whoa, like what, a, what, what are all these like, what are all these new things I've never learned in U.S. history? And I've taken U.S. history before, right? Like it's not like I never took U.S. history. And I like that actually led me to take another Asian American history class. Um, but that was, that was, that was my thing. Like, that was my story is that I, I didn't actually get to learn about Asian American history until my junior year of college. And that's only because I had the privilege. And also let's be real. Like I had the privilege of going to UC Berkeley and, and, we know not all colleges have a have an Asian American studies department. Not all colleges have Asian American study classes. And so I'm I, I'm very privileged to have gone to an institution that has Asian American studies department. But that's not the case for a lot of people. And um, you know, in fact, I I, I kept thinking about this and I was like, did I miss something? Did I not pay attention in my U.S. history class? Because <laughs> I was like, how, how is it possible that we just like skip through the entire contribution of Asian American? And so I had my brother and I the other day, fun fact, we went through, we actually pull out all our textbook. We still keep all our books and notes and we actually pull everything out and we yeah, we read through it. I was like, yeah, I was never taught in our U.S. history classes. <laughs> um, just to confirm, you know, I was like, I want to fact check myself before I, I tell the whole world about this. But but that's the reality is that it, it's Asian American history is not being taught in, in K through 12. And um, that is that is the sad reality of, of, of you know, our education. And um, so I, I always tell people like advocate for Asian American studies, like to make sure that that's being included in our history, but in, in our history book at K through 12, not just in college, but also like, especially in K through 12. Um, cause let's be real. Not everyone will go to UC Berkeley or a college with an Asian American studies department. In fact, I'm pretty sure not even all UCs have Asian American studies department and, and not all Cal State does either. So um, yeah, I will say those two, those are my top two issues that I'm like definitely um, huge advocate for. In addition to pay family leave, in addition to like a other things, but you know what, it's okay. I'll just say, say, say. <laughs> <laughs> focus on those two um but yeah i there's a lot of things that yeah yeah 
too many oh. excuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, I agree. I think well, I went to Riverside, UCR. Mm-hmm. I definitely took Chicano studies, but I never took Asian American studies. But learning through a lot of uh, my co-workers who have masters in Asian American studies, they mm. explain about the problems um, that uh, the histories that are being covered or uncovered. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a big issue. And your first one, too, is the representation is really important. Um, and in encouraging and cultivating young women, you have mentioned uh, Ignite National yeah can you tell us about that yeah so what we do at ignite national is that we train young women across the country to run for office um we are in over 30 states i believe um and we we help equip yeah it's 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 amazing we have we have young women running across the country um we have young women running for city council for state legislature in fact um just someone i I was just talking about her she um she's running for maryland state legislature so that's what we do and these are all 30 and under um most of them are gen z's yeah i know very impressive like you think getting elected at at 25 okay my age was impressive no like these are like they are running at at an even younger age but but yeah these are that's that's all we do and i love my job so specifically what i do is that i'm the legislative advocacy director and I um, I train them on legislative process, and then also I um, bring them to state capitals and also in Washington D.C. to advocate for bills that will help um, advance women's rights. So that's what I do. So quite a bit of traveling across the country. Bef- that's before the pandemic. Um, things obviously have shifted a little bit because of the pandemic. But as things are reopening, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be out there again traveling with my little one this time around. So it will be fun. Yep. Don't ask me how that's going to go. <laughs> no idea. And I don't even want to think about it. But, but it will be fun. Mm-hmm. be fun. Thank you for sharing. I didn't. Well, I knew you're from Eastville and we worked on Dave Min's campaign together. Mm-hmm. But because you had baby Caden at the time, we didn't really get to talk as much yes. and connect. And like me doing the research with the team on you was like, wow, she's so, she's insane in a very good way. <laughs> like she's done so much. And it was like, no one gave you that space to even let you do what you do best, which kind of sucked. Cause it was always, you know, from, even though there's a chain of command, I wish there was more um, feedback given from you that was taken seriously from the team that we were on before. So we could really do something more special for the API community. And then hearing you're from Eastvale, I was like, dang, I grew up in the Inland Empire. I also had that day where not a bus ride, but mama said walk home and it was a thunderstorm (laughs) and I had a windbreaker and cargo shorts on. And I walked two miles home, drenched a little bit of crying. I was like, something's gotta, something's gotta change. It yeah. starts now. Like, where where from the IE? Which part of the IE? I was from Marietta, so oh, it yeah. was. I remember, yeah, you. Did. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of APIs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like you, the representation thing was a huge, huge mm-hmm. thing that I wish I could have seen, but now, you're here. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. especially Mar- Marietta. Like the further inland you go, like the less API you see. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but I just 
you know, it is what it is now. But yeah. we want to pick your brain on more of the uh, political expertise. Um, there's been a huge wave of API voter turnout since the 2018 midterm elections, as we saw, and even going further into the 2020 presidential elections. Um, what are some of the things that attributed to that? Oh, I think people are just finally like paying attention to the API voting blog. Gosh, mm. like that took them long enough. And, and that goes to both parties. Like I, you know, you're finally seeing all these average job advertisement for like came for, um, I don't know if y'all follow any of the, uh, the job ads, but like, you know, I'm finally seeing like DCCC, um, which is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committees, um, even the DCCC, like I, I remember back then there wasn't a whole lot of jobs targeting um, the API community. So like, for instance, now the campaigns are hiring API consultants, they're hiring API field rep person, they're hiring API outreach folks. Um, and they're also looking for folks who are bilingual, trilingual, um, and, and to really do outreach in the API community. But that was not the case. Like even five years ago, that wasn't the case. And we're finally seeing that, you know, folks are paying attention to the API community. Folks are finally realizing the power of the API community. And, um, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. I mean, I'll give, you know what, I'm in the IE, I'll use IE as an example. Here in the city of Eastvale, we have almost 30% of API population, I think around 28%, but which is quite significant. But for the voter handbook, um, when you, when you, when you, I believe voter handbook, we, we do have Mandarin option if you request for, for Mandarin. And by the way, in Eastvale, the biggest chunk of API population, it's, um, it's Chinese and then Vietnamese. Um, But when, you, like when it comes to the actual voting, the ballot, there's no Mandarin available. Like you cannot request for a Mandarin ballot. Yeah, it's only English and Spanish. Yeah. And so what I what I did when I ran for office in 2018 was that I actually I went door to door. I taught them how to vote. Like these were folks who have never voted. I taught them how to vote. I had to translate everything for them on the ballot. Um, what does, what does, well, they usually know president. Well, 2018, there was no president. What was, um, they, they knew governor, but like when you talk about like controller, they were like, what is like, what, 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 what is a controller? Um, and then even like certain like local positions, like I had to translate everything for them. But yeah, that was not an option. That's that still was not an option. And you're talking about like a 28% API population, yet that that is not an option. So um things are changing slowly but surely. You do see, you do see those resources available, um, perhaps more so in OC and, and San Gabriel Valley, but for the rest of the the um, SoCal area, it's still not, it's still not available for folks. And so it is really frustrating, but um, not a reason for us to give up. Um, it is a reason for us to just keep fighting. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely, um, things are changing slowly, yeah. 
but surely um but still have a lot of work to do yeah, along. yeah. we're um, definitely going in the right direction somewhat yeah. um yeah and and i just hope that we don't take a few steps back um which i, I that's yeah i hope we keep making the progress yeah, yeah. That we're making mm-hmm. it's hard i don't think people really understand how difficult it is to translate for our communities and then explaining a whole new concept of politics within that i was like oh how do you expect me or someone like yourself to do that for thousands of people i was like oh i may not be as qualified but i'll do my best yeah i know gosh like i don't think people realize how difficult it is to translate like it's it's not i mean there's a reason why people are getting paid to be a translator it's it's a tough job like i i mean even for me i um mandarin is is my it's actually my first language but even then it's hard like it's very very hard to translate things um especially between english and mandarin and and also like i'm sure a lot of other api languages mm-hmm. also because it's not we don't use alphabets y'all like yeah, we don't. <laughs> it's a whole different system like it's not like oh i can just like switch you know the pronunciation i have to switch the character i have to switch the the words the the sentence structure how things are written like everything and i just you know it's it's speaking of which i actually did a i studied abroad in in china back in back when i was in college and i went with a group of my american friends i never talked to them after that because (laughs) they they all wanted me to translate everything and so my whole trip i was just translating things for them and it was it was very frustrating to having to switch back and forth like mm. constantly between the two languages and i don't think people realize how difficult it is to translate and um so yeah i i'm right there with you josh it's, yeah. it's not easy i feel like, you why people get paid for this <laughs> mm-hmm. and even like going back and tying it back to voter engagement i think the strides we've taken to provide the in-language access for our communities has been really beneficial but um, it's a little hard to see everywhere else. I know I don't really see it everywhere else because I, yeah. I don't live there. But in OC, I know we've done a lot to provide Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Japanese, Khmer, any other different language that um, that is used. But it's hard when, you know, even data isn't disaggregated. We don't really know who's being left yeah. out. That is and that's a whole nother issue. Mm-hmm. So with specifically for voter engagement, how do we keep that momentum within our API communities to go out and vote and take that initiative to learn about the system? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely spot on. Oh, you you and you brought up a really good point about data disaggregation too. That's mm-hmm. a whole different conversation. But you know, it's it's so crucial that that oh, that's something that we we need to do. It's because then we're we're leaving out many other communities who are not being highlighted, not being represented. And, um, but going back to the campaigning, mm-hmm. providing, you know, in-house translation or, or even like language access, all of that, it's key. That's the, that's the first step, right? And then second, actually contacting them, not just via phone, but also like knocking on their doors, um, 
walking them, you know, walking them through the steps of voting, like step by step, explaining to them why it's important to vote, especially for my parents, like my, my, you know, folks think about folks like my parents, they, they're probably thinking, why should I vote? In fact, um, my 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 dad is not a citizen but my mom is but um yeah she didn't vote for the longest time until my election in 2018 i was like mom you better vote for your <laughs> own daughter um so she did she did she voted for for her own daughter but um you know like for her she's just like why like why like what's the importance of voting anyway because for her the the trauma that she went through the experience that she went through in vietnam like she was like, why? Like, it doesn't even matter anyway. So you got you like, you got to explain to folks like why, why their voice matter and the importance of voting. Um, and also the, the very sad reality is that if we don't vote, politicians are never going to take us seriously. Like they're not, they're just going to ignore us while they were like, well, like, why should we reach out to them? Because you know it doesn't matter anyway so it's it's really important that we we drill that message we emphasize the importance of voting um and yeah and and not only that and not only during election year but also like you know throughout the year like talk about issues that matter to us um like what you're all doing um but also like think about folks who might not know english like how how can they access those information um so yeah just uh, a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of things to do, a lot of resources that are needed, a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of work. No. Sure. But like you said earlier, I mean, now that 2018 and 2020 happened, we they know we have, yes. we can make moves like for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and then we can still get, you know, our voices heard. We can fight for the issues that we care about, but for politicians that will advocate for us and the issues we care about is something that, I hope continues and and becomes even more substantial. And like we like I said, we saw voter engagement increasing because of the accessibility to candidate information mm-hmm. and the focused outreach to each API community. Um, I wanted to pivot more to community engagement, mm-hmm. um, like you discussed or mentioned the Stop Asian Hate, and we saw a lot of Asian hate incidents and attacks showing up and showing how people really felt about our communities. Um, how can civic engagement be used to reduce that stigma and the actual hate incidents? You know, going back to what I said about having Asian American history being introduced in K through 12 curriculum, I think that's crucial because the reality is that we've been here for over a century. Hundreds of years. Hundreds, hundreds. of years. Hundreds of years. But people still make the assumption that like, Oh, you, like generally speaking, I've heard and I've heard these these comments. Like I've heard people say, "Oh, like you guys are from China," or like you know your parents are from China. Like I constantly like hear this notion of like, "Oh, you guys are new immigrants," um, which some people certainly are, but also like recognize the fact that Asian American have contributed to this country for over a century. Like our history is also United States history. And people tend to not realize that. And, and then also, you know, something that I I read on on, on IG 
on Instagram like over a year ago someone uh, I followed this teacher she's on IG and she was like she's um she's an Asian American and she asked her students to name three Asian American leaders three in the United States most could not even name two and so I was like, oh, that's a really good point. And so I started asking around people in my circle, non-Asian Americans, like non-AAPI folks in my circle. So mind you, these people are active in politics, very politically aware, college-educated folks. And I asked them to name three. Most people could not name three. And again, again, let me emphasize this. These are people who are college educated, actively engaged in the community, in politics, in government, and yet they could not name three. And, you know, it's just, it's very sad. Like, it's very sad that we're not getting the spotlight that we deserve, like our histories being erased. And so I, I'm not saying that it will, you know, educating folks about our history will eliminate all the violence. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that our history deserves to be placed in the history book. Our voices deserve to be heard and that our perspectives deserve to be respected. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's what I'm, I, I'm a huge believer in that. And, and so, um, and, you know, and going back to like what we all said, like we didn't see anyone who looked like us. We didn't like we just did not, especially, you know, here in the IE. And um, at least if we were in a history book, at least we could resonate with the history yeah. book. <laughs> but that wasn't even the case. Right. Like that wasn't even the case. Um, yeah. So I, I my hope is that we will finally be included in the history book as rightfully so. Uh, Jocelyn, that's amazing. Um, Before we transition to the next segment, let's leave our viewers and listeners with some inspiration. As a mother, community leader, politician, and woman of color, you are and will serve as a role model for women in politics. What is one message you want to hold steadfast for future women power? For those who are listening, um, I will, I'll say this, you're never too young to run for office. Well, you do have to be 18 years old. That's the legal age. But aside from that, you're never too young to run for office. And whenever people ask me, um, like, aren't you a little bit too young to be the mayor? Which I've heard that many, many times. Let me tell you, nobody has ever asked me if I'm too young to be a mom. And I'll tell you this, being a mom, it's way more challenging than running a city, y'all. I'm like, you're dying every day. Um, Oh, dealing with one is, is way more intense than dealing with 75,000 residents or 70,000, I'm sorry, 70,000. But um, you're, you're qualified. You're never too young to run for office. And I also just noticed nobody knows your city like you do. Nobody knows your school like you do. Nobody knows your neighbors like you do. And so if you're, if you're just waiting for someone to come in and run for office to fix those issues in your school, in your community, in your city, why not you? Like, you know your community better and you know your community the best. And so don't wait for that someone, be that someone instead. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would, I would tell folks who are listening and I hope you run for office because nobody knows your, again, nobody knows your community like you do. 
Thank you, Jocelyn. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, thank you for sharing, you know, your insight, your story. Um, and I, you know, we'll go, I'll run. Let's all run. <laughs> let's go right now. Yes. <laughs> Um, with that, let's continue to a little bit of a fun segment called Quick Fire. Yeah. Uh, it's a this or that type of question. So I'll give you two okay. options and then you have to just pick one uh, and explain your choice. Mm-hmm. They are themed around education. I have to explain my choices. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes, we we want to hear, you know, what your logic yeah. is. Yeah. So, and the order for um, answering the questions, we'll have Josh then Jocelyn, then Tiffany, and then me last. Okay, so are we ready? Yes. Let's do it. All right, so number one, would you rather know all the mysteries of the world but not be able to tell anyone or know nothing about the world but only learn through people? I would rather know all the mysteries of the world, but not be able to tell anyone. Because I think me at this point in time, I have a lot of uncertainty and unanswered questions that I wish I knew um, just about the world, just about why people are the way they are, why things are the way they are. Yeah. I'm selfish. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm inclined to say know nothing, but only learn through people. Um, I I always believe that there's something to learn about everyone, um, mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to listen. So that's mm. so yeah. I'm definitely the latter. Good answer. I'm gonna go with Jocelyn. Know nothing about the world and only ner- learn through people. My answer is not as nice as Jocelyn's, but. I think it's just people have a lot more to offer. And if you can't share all the mysteries, all this knowledge, I don't know what's the worth in that, really. I don't see the worth in that. That's deep. I would go with Tiffany and Jocelyn, know nothing about the world, but learn through people because I think we already do that anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. We learn like, you know, in classrooms, we learn through a teacher, you know, so. And I think that they have a, they add their own perspective to it. So I think that is important in like shaping what you think in a way. So, but yeah, good questions and good answers. All right. Number two, would you rather have lifelong learning and have to take classes every year? Or would you rather take one type of class that you specialize in and it's only in one thing and become the master of that one thing? Uh, I would say lifelong learning and have to take classes every year. I think, not I think, but I think, not I think. I know myself well enough um, where that growth is always there. Growth can always happen and it should happen. I just have to take that initiative to do it so being able to learn any and everything, what's not to love about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good answer. I'm right. I'm right there with Josh. I mm-hmm. um, 
I would awesome. love to be a jack of all trades. How cool would that be to tell to to be able to tell folks? Yeah, I know like a million things. Um, but I yeah I hundred percent like I'm a lifelong learner. In fact, if I could take a class like a, a college class every year or like a um just a class in general like I totally would except college is way too expensive and I cannot afford to do that but um love love doing that like I love taking classes in fact um it's been on my list like I want to take woodworking class I just haven't had the time because of my little one but but yeah I would I would love to just learn about different things different skill sets 100%. I'm with Josh and Jocelyn on this one. Um, The way I read into it though, is if you're a master of one thing, you'd probably be bad at everything else. And I'd rather not have that. So I think I would do lifelong learning and be good at everything else or be decent at least. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think with the lifelong learning, I agree with that I could take any class that I want, but same, I kind of agree that I hope, you know, online and you can do like pottery and like learn about uh, all types of different like uh, fields and really look at it in a broad perspective. I feel like it makes you more well-rounded in that way too. And um, I just think if you are only specializing in that one thing, you might be bored at the end. So, you know, depending on how passionate you are about that one thing, and it's a lot of pressure to pick one, just one for the rest of your life. So, but yeah. All right. Uh, Question three, would you rather teach for the rest of your life or would you rather be a student for the rest of your life? I don't know, but if I had to choose one. I would say teach for the rest of my life. I think I have, or I've been through a lot and people don't really, like Jocelyn mentioned earlier, take you seriously or people don't think you're qualified. But shoot, if you give me the chance, you might learn a thing or two or gain some type of insight from my life. Or mm-hmm. So come through. Definitely learn. Oh, no, I cannot imagine teaching for the rest of my life. Um, First of all, I will run out of stuff to teach. And second of all, how boring it is having to listen to myself talk for the rest of my life. Um, No way. Yeah, definitely (laughs) learn. Yep. I would be a student, too. I wish I had Josh's confidence and feel like I could teach people something about my life. But honestly... I'm just picking student because I feel like I can't teach. Okay. Maybe it's, I don't know. I, that's a really hard question. I think, um, you know, I think I would be a fun teacher, but I don't know if they would learn. So that's the difference. Um, I, but I don't, also don't know if I would be good at teaching because I feel like the way that teachers present things is it, I don't know if I could present it in that same way. Mm. So um, I would pick student, but only because I feel like I have, I you kind of take a backseat approach with students, you know, but I feel like the teacher is a really powerful position and I would want someone to teach me to be a teacher if I could be a teacher. <laughs> But yeah, all right, so number four, 
Would you rather have goals that are inspired by thoughts or goals inspired by people? Mm. Um, I, uh, uh, I would say goals inspired by people. I think um, a lot of people that I have, have around me and I've seen on social media are just so cool. And it's not like I'm going to copy them and steal their stuff, but it's, it's more so a uh, foundation to create something even crazier. Mm. My little one is about to explode. Um, <laughs> but I will say probably thoughts. This one is a little bit tricky. Um, probably thoughts only yeah, because yeah. Um, I feel like thoughts are kind of endless. Like you can go as deep as you want, but like also part of me like don't I mean I I do feel inspired by certain people but I also want to like steer away from feeling like I'm comparing myself to people yeah he wants to answer the question (laughs) (laughs) um you know especially like growing up in in an Asian household you know like Asian parents tend to compare you with like other folks um so i feel like i'm, I'm done with that you know like i just want to like stay away from that and and um but yeah that's that's what i that's where i'm at <laughs> i'm actually putting to one on this one too um i was gonna say goals inspired by people but when jocelyn brought up the comparison thing i would say i would assume that goals come with comparison so i don't want to be compared to people so i would go by thoughts goals inspired by thoughts Interesting. I think, yeah, I didn't think about that comparison. I initially picked goals by thoughts only because I don't want to copy someone. Or if I do, I would do it like Josh, like put my own twist on it. Um, But I think thoughts for sure, because um, when, you know, you have an idea that comes from yourself, I feel like it's more powerful in that way because you're more willing to do it rather than to follow someone's footsteps Mm. because you need them to do it first for you rather than doing it for yourself but yeah all very good answers very deep very insightful Mm. for sure um and so uh with that uh we're gonna close out and we just want to give you a big thank you Jocelyn for taking the time out of your busy busy schedule to talk about um, everything under the sun with us your origin uh, women that inspire you ignite national civic engagement issues regarding the South Asian hate movement um, is there any last messages that you want to plug I would just say like run for office like I, I definitely cannot highlight that in a run for office y'all but but again thank you for having me thank you all if you like this episode check us out on youtube and spotify please follow us at oc underscore hughes on instagram twitter and facebook give us a like comment and subscribe to stay tuned to our future episodes if you reach the end comment a purple heart and with that see you next time